to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I am pleased to announce that uh, I have been named as a member of the Bloods. Uh, I forget the exact chapter I have uh, been outed as being a part of, but along with Cardi B, Jim Jones, and apparently everybody else, we're now we're now all in the Bloods, thanks to, uh, what's his name, going to jail. <laughs> Have you been following this at all? I, I vaguely saw something about how like one rapper like snitched on another rapper or some shit. But. No, he's he's snitching on everybody. Like he's claiming oh, that Car- Cardi B and like all these other people are all part of this gang and everyone like nobody fucking believes it. It's just like it's become oh, its own inter- internet meme that every day he's just like naming more and more people and they're like, what? Why would this? Yeah, he's people he's are- definitely gonna get stabbed too for this. <laughs> like you don't fuck around with like uh, you're yeah. like oh yeah they're the Bloods or like yeah people people take that shit really seriously <laughs> when does cardi b have time to be in a gang for one <laughs> you know like, yeah no. she's got 90 million followers on instagram i'm pretty sure if she wanted to she could just fucking <laughs> yeah you take it out pretty easily so. bernie army it's the only gang she's in yeah <laughs> well I, I couldn't i couldn't tell like which tweets were parody and which ones were real and i was like oh wait he really did say that what the fuck <laughs> he really did name cardi b's being Man. in the same gang as he did okay yeah, all right this is beyond parody now yeah well we have a lot to get to this week um we'll do some fun stuff later but up top we should talk about the situation going on in iran because it's uh escalating at a level that is very uncomfortable to me at least um and i and we could talk about whether or not it's it's actually going to escalate or and things of that nature but let's um let's just get into the the iran situation because uh over the weekend uh a Saudi Arabian oil field uh, was apparently bombed refinery. by a, dr- it was a re- refinery. refinery. Yeah, that was, it was it's, apparently it's, bombed by a drone and a cruise missile and a fucking a know, bunch of them wrist like, rocket and like <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, this wasn't just a field. This was a, this is the largest oil refinery in the world, right? It's it's mm-hmm. responsible for about five percent of the entire world's uh, oil production. Uh, it's like 500 miles in, you know, from the from the Yemeni border, right, where they believe that these uh, drones and uh, cruise missiles were, were fired. So, um, yeah, of course, our government's like, oh, it's Iran. And, and Iran's like, what? What did we do? What? <laughs> every time they've tried to say this, that Iran blew up this Japanese oil tanker, like, really? While the Japanese envoy was there uh, in Iran? Really? That's the kind of thing you think they would be dumb enough to do? Um so yeah, it's 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 not really an Iran situation as much as John Bolton, the, the newly unemployed John Bolton, and um, Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, want it to be an Iran situation. Um, but yeah, that's still pretty dramatic. That's definitely a, a big step up. I, I probably of all the topics we're going to talk about today, know about this the least. So I did a ton of research today. Um, I I don't know kind of where you want to go from here, but uh, I have plenty to say 
Well, I mean, let's let's talk about a couple things. So, number one, it literally would make no sense for Iran to do this. I mean, they're not in a hot war with Saudi Arabia. Uh, they wouldn't want to do anything to uh, give the United States an excuse to invade because, as we've said, there are elements of you know, the Defense Department and the State Department that are chomping at the bit for another fucking war because we haven't started a new war in, you know, 10 years, whatever it's been. Uh, and they're they're anxious to, to you know, to make that fucking bank, bro. Like, that's, that's what they're all about. That's the only way they sustain themselves. So uh, they're really trying to manufacture consent here. Uh, now, and we, and we saw, I don't know if you saw, uh, I believe it was yesterday because it was on the, the cover of the Times this morning and the Post. Um, they did the whole show, you know, the sham thing where they trotted out. This is the cruise missile that Iran sent. And this is the drone that they sent. And this is the like where they lay it all out as like the props for the fucking, you know, uh, for the press conference. And I'm like, this is Iraq all over again. This is Colin Powell all over again. The difference, I think, uh that there and the reason we're not at war with iran already is uh, for a couple of reasons number one um people are just wise to that shit because we've you know the the world at large has learned its lessons from iraq even though the democrats uh in congress <laughs> have not seemed to uh, learn that lesson um but number two there's no dick cheney in this administration there's nobody behind the scenes nearly as machiavellian and the only one who actually does have enough decision-making sway over it, uh, you know, Trump, seems to instinctually not want to go to war, if only because he knows it's going to be bad for him politically in the future. So, like, that's the only thing I think right now preventing us from going to war with Iran, even though, obviously, they probably had nothing to do with this attack, Um that's never stopped us before. You know, it didn't stop us in Iraq, didn't stop us in Afghanistan. Uh, the only thing that's different is I think there's no Dick Cheney, essentially, to, to, to make the final propaganda push. Sure. Well, you know, I don't think that it's that they're, they're not somewhat involved because, you know, I, they have sold weapons to the... the they Houthi might have armed rebels, the Houthi right? rebels, yeah. But, I mean, these are people defending their own country from a coalition of 10 other countries who are bombing them. So mainly Saudi Arabia and the U.S. who's dropping all the bombs in Yemen. Mm-hmm. So our, the State Department is, is, is just hilarious to me when they accuse other countries of doing something in their own self-defense that we are doing to attack them with. You know, just like, yeah. how, could, how could you be that fucking hypocritical, right? So, yeah, so obviously uh, the Houthi rebels are, are a pretty broad-based group of people. It's not like the, you know, Syria where there's 18 different factions vying for power. Uh, Houthis have been, have been a, a movement there in Yemen uh, for about 25 years, and they were a, a popular movement. I've been reading about these people all day, um, but, you know, they're supposed to be the bad guys that we're all fighting, right? And I, th- I didn't know much about them, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to dig up some some info here. So, first of all, it, just just the mainstream headlines about uh, these people and, and the conflict there is so awful, Right. Like the first thing you even if you you pull up, you know, okay, what's been going on in Yemen for the last few years? Saudi Arabia's been bombing them like crazy with with US bombs. We've been providing air support for their their fighter planes. Um and it's been about somewhere between seventy thousand and ninety thousand people killed in Yemen. Mm-hmm. 
which some people have characterized as ethnic cleansing, genocide, certainly war crimes. Uh, we've been dropping, they've been dropping cluster bombs on them, which kill civilians for years after they've, they've hit the ground. Right. But even, even Al Jazeera, which you think would be sympathetic is actually very pro Saudi in their language um, because they refer to the conflict there as a civil war. Well, there was no civil war. There hasn't been a civil war. It's been Yemen fighting against the people, invading them, and dropping bombs on them. Something like, I think, 150,000 troops that uh, Saudi Arabia has either sent into Yemen or has been amassed along the border for, you know, sort of these border skirmishes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just the idea that they want to call that a civil war, it's total bullshit, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's these Houthi rebels who are defending their land, Right. And the only reason that, that Saudi Arabia started bombing them was that you know, during the Arab Spring 2011, there was a big public uprising. And the president at the time was seen as being pro-Saudi and anti his own people. <clears throat> and he was forced to resign and he fled the country. And as soon as he fled the country, he suddenly said, oh, actually, no, I am the president still. I, I'm taking that back. I'm still the president and I want Saudi Arabia, my buddies, Saudi Arabia, to go bomb my own people that just made me flee the country. So he, he wants Saudi Arabia to, to kill his own citizens, thereby proving how much he had their own interests in, in mind. Um, so, yeah, just, just trying to understand, like, what was the reason they wanted to get, the, get rid of this guy and kind of what the Houthis were all about. I have some quotes here. Um, these were mostly from Wikipedia, but I, I cite my sources here. So according to uh, Ahmed... Uh, Adegashi, a professor at uh, Sansia University, uh, which is the capital of, of Yemen. Uh, the Houthis began as a moderate theological movement, uh, then preached tolerance and held a broad-minded view of all Yemeni people. Uh, the formation of the Houthi organizations has been described by Adam Barron of the European Council on Foreign Relations as a reaction to foreign intervention. I always hate that word intervention because it's just like you're invading somebody. It's a legal yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, so according to a February, uh, February 2015 Newsweek report, Houthis are fighting, quote, for things that all Yemenis crave, government accountability and corruption, regular, regular utilities, fair fuel prices, job opportunities for ordinary Yemenis and the end of Western influence, end quote. Really? That seems pretty reasonable to me. <laughs> like, that's that's what we're invading and bombing them for. These are the people uh, that they portray as terrorists in the media right, because right. they're fighting for, so, you know. And last quote here, uh, Hassan El-Horman, a former Houthi uh, spokesperson, has said, quote, We support the establishment of a civil state in Yemen. We want to bring a striving modern democracy. Our goals are to fill our people's democratic aspirations in keeping with the Arab Spring movement, end quote. Like it sound like the good guys to me. <laughs> like what? Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. In a, in a conflict where there are a lot of bad guys on all sides, they seem like the 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 ones at least on on the side where we could say like, yeah, the, these guys. At least some of them are fighting for the right things, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's how they had such a popular uh, support when they did this uprising. That it it really wasn't a bloody coup at all. And they let the president leave. They didn't, you know, kill him like they did in Libya. Uh, mutilated him in the him. streets. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just, yeah, this is this is who is being portrayed as the terrorists who, uh, you know, well, actually, they're in a way they're not because the U.S. government wants to pretend that they couldn't have possibly done this on their own, hit this oil refinery 500 miles into, into Saudi Arabia. So that's why it must be 
Iran that did this because it, certainly there's no way that a bunch of guys with AK-47s riding around the back of, the, of a Toyota pickup truck could have pulled this off. And it's like, well, you know, if, if, if they're being bombed by foreign invaders, then why can't they be armed by some outside power that's sympathetic with, with their autonomy, right? But So I have a, you, you did some research on this today. I was not able to find any deaths involved in this. Like how many, were there, were there any actual like casualties from this bombing or is it just? Yeah, I don't think so. But, you know, as we've discussed, like the oil industry doesn't employ that many people and they did it at night. So there might not have been anybody there, right? They bombed this thing in the middle of the night. Everyone might've just been home from work and they didn't kill anybody. They just damaged their, their economic infrastructure. So, like, this is, like, hilarious to me because I've heard people, like, in the Trump administration and on TV refer to this as, like, oh, well, and this is, like, the lack of self-awareness on this quote is unbelievable, (laughs) that uh, this is the Saudi Arabian 9-11. This is, like, their 9-11, to which I and everyone else said, uh, I'm pretty sure 9-11 was their 9-11 to consider. Yeah, they were the ones 15 that of the 19 hijackers shit. were Saudi Arabian oh and Saudi Arabian government funded a lot of that. And it's like just, yeah. it, it's fucking preposterous. Nobody fucking died. It was a it was an attack on their, their you know, their economic, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. But it, and the idea that, so like, Let's even take the U.S. State Department's line on this at face value. Let's say that Iran, for some fucking reason, decided to take their military and to unprovoked, well, you know, unprovoked in this one particular instance, just bomb a Saudi uh, oil refinery. So fucking what? Like, even if that was true, which I don't at all believe it's true. So what? Like, why would that have anything to do with us and why would that merit our involvement in any way whatsoever oh, it's like it's, it's, our, it's our oil right so I, yeah but it's exactly it's so like, funny no to me to make on this right it, it's it's completely seen as normal for justin trudeau or barack obama or donald trump to sell uh more weapons to saudi arabia than any country uh has ever bought before but the minute somebody defends themselves from those weapons that we sold to saudi arabia they're the bad guy I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure if you've been getting bombed for five years, you got a right to fire back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would think so. I mean, it's just so it's just unbelievable the the level of discourse where it's just totally accepted that like, well, if you know, or if Iran did this, then uh, we need to do you know that an equal retribution needs to be uh, you know enacted. So, what are you going to bomb the fucking Houthis uh, like porta potties? Like, I, like what what is an equal retribution to? to right. destroying well, some some actually, capital from the Saudis. Yeah, they, they hadn't done a whole lot there, but they just actually bombed Yemen again today in retaliation. They waited about a week, oh, and now they're Jesus. bombing Yemen again. Um, but it's, it, you know, so really this is this is a conflict between, you know, the people that wanted independence for Yemen and all the outside rich countries that don't want a poor country to have their own leg to stand on. That's why you have these proxy wars in poor countries between rich superpowers, right? Um, another little quote here, just to give a little bit more context, just to you know understand what this conflict really is. Uh, this is a guy named uh, Peter Salisbury, probably, I'm guess, British, uh, senior Yemen analyst at the International Crisis Group. Sounds like a think tank. Uh, quote, wishful thinking isn't a substitute for strategy. The war began with the assumption that a successful rebel group that has, uh, had seized the capital and was working with a significant chunk of the pre-war military could be uprooted by airstrikes and payoffs to the rivals. That didn't work. 
end quote. So, and then the, the article goes on here from the, the author. Saudi officials have now blamed Iran for providing the rebels with the drone and missile technology to allow them to strike deep into Saudi territory. Airstrikes have now struck at the heart of Saudi economy, targeting uh, the king's vital um, uh, Abquaik oil processing facility. So basically, the, Saudi Arabia has gotten themselves into their own little Vietnam here, where they're now in a quagmire and they're losing. So now they have to blame it on, you know, well, they couldn't have beat, they couldn't have defended their home turf on their own. It must have been Iran that helped them, you know, as though that's some, somehow wrong thing. So it's just mm-hmm. like clearly somebody didn't pay attention to history. And if you look up some of the things that, uh, my other page up here, the the ideologies listed by the uh, Houthi rebels, this is, Zurich, it's really interesting to get this up here. Uh, so this is also according to, to, Wikipedia, which, you know, some, somewhat accurate, somewhat not always accurate, but, uh, so the, the, the list of ideologies include social justice, <laughs> anti-imperialism, uh, irredentism. These are a bunch of S- SJWs is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Well, irredentism, I can't remember what that word means, but it's something about just like retaking the land that was stolen from you. Uh, mm-hmm. anti-Zionism. And then, you know, there was one citation for anti-Semitism, but they have officially denied anything like that. Well, they anyone all, that's anti-Zionist is accused of being anti-Semitic. Right. So and they, they, you know, you know, they're, they're media savvy. They've had a press secretary and they've said repeatedly that, you know, we have no problem with the people of, uh, you know, of Israel or with Jewish people, our problems with the Israeli government and them fucking with us. Right. So, uh, mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. one of their, uh, so Yemeni nationalism, obviously, they're fighting for their own home country. Uh, and then big tent populism is a big uh, <laughs> a, a big thing for them, apparently, to, to not be sectarian and really embrace all the different groups of their own country, uh, which is why they had such popular support. Right. So like very, very modern, very unlike the ISIS or Al Qaeda's that we've been told are the bad guys. Unbelievable. Um and just by the way, in case you're wondering if the Democrats were doing anything to stop this insane warmongering, uh, Chris Coons, a uh, Democrat from uh, Delaware who sits on the uh, Foreign Relations Committee, went on Fox News and said, uh, this, may, um, this may well be the thing that calls for military action against Iran if that's what the intelligence supports. So, you know, totally useless as usual. Fucking absolutely worthless. Any any Democrat that's in power, you know, right now outside of Bernie Sanders is totally fucking useless on matters of foreign policy. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I am very concerned that even though it does seem like Trump is, you know, he's, he talks a tough game because he knows that that's what works well with some segment of, of his base. But he also doesn't he's also politically savvy enough to know that it's not. And I can't believe I'm giving him credit for being politically savvy. But in this one instance, he knows that it's really fucking stupid to start a war. It, it never ends up working out well for the president that, you know, authorizes that. And his tweets in the past back that up, the shit that he said about Bush and Obama, you know, regarding starting war. So he even if he doesn't give a fuck about the people of, of Yemen or the people of Iran, he knows instinctually that it's not a good political move, especially going into uh, an election to to start a fucking quagmire of a war, and there's plenty of time for that war to go wrong in between now and then. So like, there's no you know, there's, a, there's a no benefit, right? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he could. He, there's no you know, there's no like 
in in 30 days we pushed al-qaeda out of uh, you know afghanistan mission accomplished like there's there's right. it's too early for them to do to do some bullshit pr thing because you know by the time we get to the election the backlash will have already occurred from that that conflict like there's right. no well, and know. He, he knows that his base are the people that have to go fight those wars and he knows that right now at least the, the right is probably more anti-war than democrats are because they're the ones that experienced it and and we're still in those wars right now right so the right has become very anti-war and he knows that that's like he could lose his base he values his base unlike democrats who have no value for their own base yeah uh, so if and, if, and if, democrats if any, on tv are doing nothing but warmongering every fucking opportunity they get oh, so yeah, their base has actually become incredibly hawkish you know, I don't want to say practically. They're literally goading Trump, like, "Oh, he's being too soft on yeah. on Iran now. He's being too soft on North Korea." Like, what what the fuck is wrong with you? The, the, like, you're supposed to be the anti-war opposition. It's just it's so fucking crazy how shit is completely reversed in so many ways. Yeah, that's no, unbelievable. Um, well, you know, speak. We, you know, while we're while we're talking about war and veterans, we should talk about uh, a story that uh, also came out this week. Uh, out of a rally that Bernie was doing, I believe in Iowa, um, where he was he was just talking to a group. It uh, looked like he was in this like you know school gymnasium, uh, and he was and this was when his voice was was kind of shot right after the debate, so he wasn't doing a big speech. He was more doing a Q and A because he didn't have to you know talk for an hour and a half at a time. Um, and he's been like a big thing he's been doing lately, saying like, hey, you know what's what's the most ridiculous medical bill you received? Like to tell, tell me your, your, you know, health insurance horror stories because people need to hear about these, the, the, you know, real anecdotal stories about the insanity of our for-profit healthcare system. So this one guy got up uh, and, and this is the uh, interaction they had. It's really uh, incredible. And we'll, we'll tell you about the kind of the follow-up after that. It's because somehow after the fact, the claim that my TRICARE, I chose to end it, which I didn't. It was coming out of my check, you know, as part of my allotment that was set up in uh, 2003 when I first retired from the military after doing 20 years. And and so now they're saying that, I, you know, I, I didn't re-sign or do something or something. How are you going to pay off? I can't. I can't. I'm going to kill myself. I don't, hold it, John. Stop it. You're not going to kill yourself. Stop. I can't deal Stop. with this. I have Huntington's disease. Do you know how hard that is? You know, you probably don't, do you? I can't drive. I can barely take care of myself. All right, let's start later at the end of the meeting, okay? Thank you. Okay. Okay. So, you know, that guy, um, you know, he, he brought a, a bill with him and he, and like, I guess one of Bernie's aides handed it to Bernie and he, he like found the guy in the crowd and called on him. And he couldn't believe they were asking him, uh, to pay $139,000 he owes outstanding on his fucking health insurance. Cause they dicked him around and they said he didn't basically what the follow-up was like, they, you know, cause obviously reporters reached out to him after the fact, um, and he he like was on a healthcare plan that auto renewed, which I you know I understand because like I, the plan I got through the Obamacare exchange automatically renews every year. So if that didn't auto renew, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like I would probably be in the same boat as him. Um, and I'm 
you know, fairly health insurance literate. I work in healthcare. So like I mean, sh- this guy probably was like, shouldn't the VA take care of all that shit for him already? Yeah. Like why, why is he having to renew his TRICARE? Like that's just thought that sh- I thought that was, I assumed, I guess he probably also assumed that's just shit you have for life after you, you know, you serve. It's just right. preposterous. Like the, the, this fucking, you know, uh, trying to suck as much money out of out of Americans as possible. All of these companies, all of these health insurance companies, and Tricare, even though it's it's federally provided, is not federally run. It's run through third parties. It's still run through. I don't know who. I, I believe Express Scripts currently provides it, but like they've you know they partner with one of these fucking blood sucking insurance companies to provide. Mm-hmm. third-party assistance aka just unnecessary middleman you know public private partnership there you go yep uh yeah and, and just again like none of this would be a problem if you, you had medicare for all and everyone yep. had exactly the same coverage it was always there there was nothing to renew guaranteed as a human right but but no what if come on uh, comrade what if you what if you're what if you negotiated for uh you know you're in a union and you negotiated for your hard-earned insurance benefits uh and then you know you go on strike and they immediately take them away from you <laughs> like what are you gonna <laughs> that's like so like you know that whole joe biden bullshit like well you know all these union members worked really hard for their uh, their insurance contracts, and I don't want to take that away from them. It's like you'd be taking it away and giving them way better insurance that covers everything that's comprehensive. And also, they could use that as leverage in their next union negotiation to get pay raises. But no, oh, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's like, oh, hey, you, we want to give you a raise in a promotion, and with that, you could buy. Uh, you know, a, 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 you know, you could rent a one bedroom apartment instead of a studio apartment and, and someone being like, Hey, I, I slaved away to afford that studio apartment and I had to work <laughs> overtime. So I'm not giving that up for anything. Like exactly. you're, you're going to get something better and get paid more and get this, you know, it, it's just, I mean, it, 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 he's it, not, it's, it's not an honest argument. Like he, no. he knows it's a bullshit, but, but the reason I brought that up is because the UAW, uh, United Auto Workers Union is on strike now, uh, and you know, in solidarity with them, but they, uh, went on strike and GM immediately took health insurance away from like all their part-time workers, uh, union workers who were on strike. Like they, so that's how fucking flimsy this whole idea is. And that's, Again, they they just you know last gasps of a dying in uh, dying empire. It, they proved exactly Bernie's point why it's insane to tie your fucking healthcare to your job, like you're 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 a prisoner to your fucking job. You know, like I can't quit this job I hate yeah. or I'm gonna die. Like was, that's uh, it's insane. It's it's always funny when you talk to like like white rural working class folks. They're like, oh, socialism's un American. <laughs> You're like, all right, well, what if I told you that under socialism, you wouldn't have a boss anymore and you get paid three times more. And suddenly it's like, well, I'm going to meet you down at the docks tonight then, comrade. <laughs> 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 Just explain what, what real democracy in the workplace would be like. You know, you don't have all the money going to some jack off getting rich for not working. It's like, it's like literally every time they try to explain why they hate socialism, they end up describing capitalism. They can't not do that thing. Like, well, yeah. socialism is when someone else gets rich off, you you know, someone else's work. And it's like that. You just do you <laughs> do you understand what you're talking about right now? Uh, yeah. And they and they don't. They don't. No, of course not. 
um, you know, Bernie also actually released his housing for all uh, plan this week. I don't know if I, I caught a quick glimpse of that. Uh, it, you know, it, it's the finer details I have to look through, but there's a lot of good provisions within that. And it's like, you know, Bernie's the only one with an actual concrete plan for any of this shit. Liz Warren's plans, like her whole fucking gi- the the whole like Liz has a plan for that is a total fucking gimmick. Because when you actually read her plans, they're super vague. They're not nearly as detailed as Bernie's. They're really just, you know, warmed over, like, uh, moderated versions of Bernie's plans. And we've come to realize that that's for a really specific reason. Because she has already met with a lot of people behind the scenes, including Hillary Clinton. uh, And she's already said to them, like, look, you know, like, she's been, she's a lot smarter than Joe Biden. I'll give her credit for that. She's not going to go to these people on the record and be like, look, nothing's going to change. But she's saying it to these people behind the scenes. There's a reason that she's getting this concerted push behind her right now. Uh, and, you know, it's very obvious that that's what's going on. Uh, and we, you know, saw this week uh, that the Working Families Party, uh, super early on in the primary, uh, endorsed her, quote unquote. Uh, and it seems to be uh, pretty fishy because <laughs> they... Uh, their endorsement process is not just like let the party members vote. Uh, the endorsement process seems to be, we'll let the party members vote count towards half of the endorsement. And then we're going to let 50 unnamed board members account for the other 50%. And we'll see what happens. So basically, so it was, it was like 50 board members have as much say as about 10,000 other members that voted. They have about 50,000 members, only about 10,000 voted. Right. So, I mean, like why even, why even let them vote and, and, and then keep it secret? Right. Cause in 2015, they went with Bernie, they voted for Bernie. I think the, the, the members had a larger share of what was counted. 87% of, of members votes. 87% of members votes right. vote and, and, in 2015. So now they are not revealing the vote tallies, saying that that would violate a secret ballot. Well, no, it wouldn't. You don't put their fucking names on it. You just say what was the, I mean, the only reason they're, they're hiding it now is because their members almost certainly overwhelmingly voted for Bernie again. And the board decided, no, we're going with, with Warren. Uh, and so they've been getting dragged understandably for this bullshit. And I don't know, did you see the letter that a bunch of them put out that they were afraid to put their names on? Basically just a a bunch of gaslighting, accusing the left of being the same as white supremacists in attacking their black members. for White terror. White terror. They use the term white terror. By the way, I I, I guarantee you ask anyone like truthfully and they'll tell you this. I I couldn't name one fucking person on the board of working families party before yesterday. So they're acting like the, all these white leftists are going after the the POC board of. And by the way, they, it's not all POC. They they've put like two people on TV who happen to be black, and I'm sure the majority of their board is you know white fucking Hillary Clinton supporters from 2015. But they're using these people as a bludgeon to say like no, you they're know, using it's them as a shield. Fucking, they're putting yeah, out there as a shield of criticism from Brock strategy. Yeah, so you have the audio of uh, one of these guys who was he picked the short straw apparently to go out there and yeah. uh, try to come up with a reason that they picked Liz. I almost feel bad for this guy because like this is just comical. Um, he so was this, not he prepared. went on. 
No, he went on MSNBC, and this was his uh, answer to why why Liz over Bernie. So, why Warren and not Sanders? So, let me just first say that it's 2019, and we have two structural change, big, bold, progressive candidates <clears throat> that um, have built huge grassroots followings in the Democratic process. Citation needed. He's talking about Tulsi and Bernie, right? Our grassroots members and our volunteers and our state committee, we engaged in a very long process and we came out. And I'm so proud of the process and so proud that we chose Elizabeth Warren. And let me tell you why. So, I mean, if you look at her, you know, they joke about she has a plan for it, right? But if you look at it and and you take a step back, so Green New Deal, so we could save the planet. a historically Bernie's plan. Bernie's big plan. picture yeah. uh, housing uh, policy. Um, uh, also you know, Bernie. Uh, Medicare for all. To take the insurance <laughs> companies still between you and your doctor, right? So uh, healthcare could be a right and not a commodity that's, that's traded. Bernie right? does the same things right. that he wrote the damn bill. That's, that's absolutely right. Whoa, that's white terrorism. He just swore at that young man. <laughs> oh, my God. Credit so, to Chris Cuomo for being like, yeah, this is fucking bullshit. But um, yeah, fucking greaseball capital is still like, <laughs> uh, you kind of cheated there. Uh, yeah, there was no answer. Like all of those are Bernie's bill. Like she doesn't even support Medicare for all. She doesn't, as far as I know, hasn't released nearly as comprehensive of a housing proposal. Uh, Have as you ever Bernie released an actual bill today? Say the words Green New Deal before. I've never heard her say those words before. I'm sure her social media team has. She'd never fucking done anything to uh, drum up support for it or build, you know, movement behind it like Bernie has. Uh, yeah. Hey, I'm just going to look this up for you. Liz, uh, Z, Z. And when you're looking that up, yeah, I mean, you know, Bernie has been talking about elements of the Green New Deal since 2015, like when he first ran. You know, he's been talking about, you know, completely transforming our our energy he was you know he was citing the solutions project all the way back in 2015 when he was running you know back then and now that it's crystallized into an actual but he's the only one who's actually released a green new deal bill like the green new deal that you know they were trying to pass through congress was just a resolution it had no binding policy positions in it it just said like we want to do this by 2030 we want to do this we want to decarbonize our infrastructure we want to decarbonize cars by 20 like all this shit that like was like wants basically bernie's the only one i that i know of that's released an actual bill saying like this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to fund it and this is when it's going to happen by and this is you know like liz warren doesn't support a green new deal liz warren doesn't support medicare for all she's fucking doing everything she can to make sure donors know that she's super willing to uh, bend on that, which means that she's never going to actually fight to pass it. Yeah, she's she's said repeatedly that you know allowing private insurance to exist as long as it's regulated is going to be just fine with her, right? Yeah, and, in her healthcare bill, she said that. <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like Medicare that. for all to me. No, she doesn't. She said she doesn't support Bernie's Medicare for all bill after she sponsored it, co-sponsored it years ago. So yeah, so even if you believe what she said. She sucks, right? And I don't even yeah. believe half of the things that she she says. Like, oh, I'm going to wag my finger at Wall Street. She's not even going to do that, right? So don't don't fucking pretend she's going to be doing anything other than trying to hobble Bernie Sanders. And you know, if anything, that if Liz Warren wasn't in the race, where do you think Bernie's numbers would be compared to Biden? Right? Uh, yeah, he might be winning. He probably would be winning. Uh, It'd be double. I, I, 
They'd be double. Yeah. <laughs> those number, those numbers I think, are not I think she's actually her her bullshit has actually siphoned some some centrist support. And when you actually look at her voting base, uh, she is doing terribly with uh, people of color. She's like it's like 80 percent or like 70 something percent uh white is her support base and bernie's support base is, is almost the exact opposite bernie does awesome uh with black folks bernie does awesome with women bernie's smallest voting block is white men so this whole like bernie bro notion is fucking hilarious and they know that but that's you know of oh course, he's most the, favorable the with, with Latino voters is is no, that also yeah. he's doing he, the he best honestly with Latino voters um, but yeah no it's insane because you know Warren having the most white support is not a liability the way it supposedly was for Bernie even though it's not true that Bernie's biggest support was for white people so yeah. uh, again a completely uh, fictitious narrative that the media runs with, but you know the, the media desperately tries to, to to say this is the way things are, right? And, and I was just looking at um, so there was some CNN politics headline saying, you know, why is Bernie uh, stagnated? It's like Bernie's numbers are up like eight percent overall Bernie's from like a month ago. In all of these polls, like, and I was like, hey, well, I wonder where CNN's ratings are right now. CNN's ratings are in the fucking toilet. They are the lowest they've been in years. So the the, the prime time viewership for CNN between people twenty five years old to fifty four f- years old is only only one hundred and eighty thousand people. Oof. That's their prime time numbers. Right? Brutal. That's like, <laughs> that's like nobody nobody under the age of fifty four is watching CNN during the time when more people are on TV than any other time during the day. Like yep. that, that's what fucking influence do they even have? Yeah. And, and it, and it, you know, it shows. And that's why, despite all of their fucking propagandizing and their smearing, Bernie is surging in the polls. Um, and, you know, we're seeing it, you know, I think largely through places like Twitter and Facebook, you see a lot of the actual news, like of, of what's going on being disseminated and, and leftists calling out bullshit. But now, Twitter seems to be cracking down on leftists also. And that's another thing that we noticed this week is that just really curiously, all of a sudden, a few tweets, uh, for some reason, you couldn't load the replies to. It's weird. That's like, you know, working families parties tweet announcing that they were endorsing Liz Warren. For some reason, none of the replies would load. Still won't load. I checked it earlier today. Oh, um, they would they would load, but not for people who are leftist supporting Bernie. And everyone tested this hypothesis by going to like the the alt account, the incognito browser or something. Yeah. yeah, and suddenly all the replies showed up. <laughs> so it was very telling that there's apparently a metric within the algorithm that can tell what kind of politics you have based on who you're replying to, and is is banning your ability to read the replies for for certain for certain things yeah and so salon actually wrote an article about this and they reached out to twitter and twitter was like we have no comment on this uh which is really fucking fishy because if you if if this was crazy and we were being a bunch of paranoid lunatics you would say no well obviously it was a malfunction like no they know exactly what they're fucking doing it's very targeted you you remember when they announced they were going to do this back in july isn't that right you posted well they 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 basically announced uh they they were testing a feature quote-unquote in canada where they were going to allow people to hide replies to a tweet um, to promote a more uh, robust uh, discourse on basically that some bullshit basically all they were doing was stifling debate but they 
made it seem like you would be able to unhide the replies. And I, and everyone I saw in my comment of that was like, Oh, well, this isn't the same thing. I was like, yeah, guys, they just figured out how to do it more effectively. Like it was, it wasn't very effective to stop people getting ratio to just hide the replies. They figured we were going to make it look like it was a loading error so that nobody could ever load these replies. You could never see the, the most useful thing about Twitter replies is that when people put out bullshit propaganda tweets like, you know, we're proud to endorse Liz Warren, the most progressive candidate in the world, yada, yada, yada. Everyone in the comments is like, yeah, no, this is what Liz actually said about this. And this is what Liz actually said about Israel. And this is what Liz actually feels about Medicare for all. Like, that's the whole idea of the, of the replies outside of just, you know, like, fuck you guys. Like, that. there's a ton of those also. But replies are very useful for actually gleaning true information and that's why they are making a concerted effort to block out voices who are calling out the bullshit that's going on just say what it is twitter doesn't want democratic debate because democratic debate is going to favor the furthest left candidate running every time when you completely let the people have a voice it's going to go left much quicker than the people in power that own twitter or own Amazon, or own the Washington Post. Well, I guess the CIA owns all those now. But uh, you know, th- this is this when it works the way it's supposed to, it benefits the people, and they don't want yeah. that. They can't have that, right? So that's why Liz Warren gets protected. That's why uh, you know the, the people who don't want to get ratio, the people that write the op eds for uh, you know New York Times and and, and Wapo and say ridiculous things like, "Oh, I'm quitting." Well, they don't want their their <laughs> venerated blue blue checks quitting so they got to protect them from criticism it's like all you gotta do to protect yourself from criticism if you're getting fucking too too sad that you're getting ratioed is fucking turn off your notifications asshole don't don't maybe stop having shitty takes like that's also an option you know glenn kessler people like i remember the reasoning and when they were announcing this bullshit that you can that you can hide it say oh we want to have a have a more comfortable experience like really so the the, the six thousand people that were dunking on a working families party uh, you don't care about their twitter experience where they can't view the replies and have a sense of of what the the opinions are i guarantee they're hiding the ratio numbers too because even though the oh, replies don't load if you can see the ratio number you know it's a bad take right and the, and they they capped it at about two thousand replies and you could still reply because you couldn't see a reply after it was there Right. So that yeah, it's very fishy that it never up. ticked up. That's like because people were replying to that constantly being yeah, like, so I they, can't see this fucking tweet. Exactly. They locked it. They locked it out yeah. to high. There's probably 14,000 replies on there right now. Mm-hmm. You just can't see that it's 14,000. and You can't see any of those 14,000. And they also locked uh, Bernie's tweet saying, like, what is your health? What's the most absurd medical bill you've ever received? They lock those yeah. replies too. Gee, it's almost like they're trying to protect the fucking private healthcare insurance industry because everyone would look in those replies and see, Jesus fucking Christ, this is criminal what we're doing to people in this country. Like it's yeah. and, and then then writers could then go take those tweets and write articles where those tweets are embedded and people yeah, can go, Oh do. my god, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. And, or people could get help, get a GoFundMe page going for their, their awful medical debt. So yeah, yeah it, it's that. it's disgusting. Uh, you know, like, h- how is this kind of internet censorship, how is it acceptable in a country that's supposed to be a bastion of free speech? Yeah, no, it's, it's preposterous. But that, and that's, but you know, that, that particular tweet, the, what's, you know, the worst, the most absurd medical bill you've ever received puts a lie to their whole 
idea that they're trying to create, you know, more civil discourse or whatever the fucking excuse is, because nobody in that tweet was saying like, fuck you, Bernie. Everyone in that tweet was like, yeah, this is, I I got a bill for a hundred thousand dollars for my fucking stillborn baby that, you know, that, that died. And, and, you know, they, they charge, they're trying to charge me a hundred thousand dollars for this baby that died because they tried to resuscitate it. You know, there are plenty of stories like that. Uh, and, and it's like, it, did, it, did you see the one, um, there was one error message that just said, uh, Twitter is over capacity <laughs> and that's why it wouldn't load. Like it, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny. Not, all my other tweets are loading. <laughs> all new tweets are loading. Fine. Just, what, yeah. Like your, your server can't keep up with loading, uh, 240 characters really yeah. in 2019. Uh, it's, it's so, so yeah, it's, it's total bullshit, total bullshit. Um, but yeah, if people again, it's 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 like the the frog in the boiling pot. Like they just make it shittier and shittier gradually over time, and we go like, all right, well, what are you gonna do? Fucking go over to Mastodon? No, yeah, it's just it's there. There's got to be eventually a movement for. I don't want to say consumer rights, but I want to say civil rights on the internet where there's got to be some kind of due process when other people are taking away your speech. You know, yeah, I, we're, no, we're not absolutely. talking about, we're, we're not talking about hate speech. We're not talking about, uh, you know, calls for violence or exterminating people based on race. We're just talking to like, I, I disagree with the, the fucking lack of transparency with work. For yeah, free, party. Speech, free speech allows me to say like, fuck you in your face and you're not allowed to, you know, yeah. throw me in jail over it or I can platform. I can call like, uh, working families party, a bitch or a cunt and that's protected speech. Right. And I will, because yeah. they are both, uh, and they're giant sweaty ball sack. So it's keep keeping all things, uh, anatomically equal. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and that's the thing is that, like, oh, well, no one should have to read that. It's like nobody should have to. Don't go on Twitter then. Like, nobody ask, should have to. Ask for the vote tallies for, for a political endorsement. Yeah. You know, that, that should well, be. I'm, I'm like. Well, and this this goes slightly off the rails, but I'm against like even TV. I think that's preposterous how censored like even just like standards and practices FCC on like regular TV is like if you can't stand them saying like fuck or shit or like whatever, then like don't watch that show. Like there's, you know, not every show is going to do it, but it's ridiculous that shows they, have to like. Exactly. They, they put the thing up there like, oh, it's rated TV MA for strong language and yeah. brief nudity. Like, okay, and, and it's starting to get you, there you anyway. Like I want to have entertainment for adults. I want to yeah. <laughs> have more, you know, like a show like Atlanta, like Donald Glover show, like they say fuck and stuff like that on there and that's on cable. So like they're, it, it's starting to move in that direction. There's actually no law against it. Just networks have kind of uh, adhered to those standards because it's like, they'll get letters if they don't. But I think luckily society's starming to realize like, you know, <sighs> fucking maybe, maybe so. it's more it's damaging to people to show fucking, you know, people being you know shot up constantly or show the the fucking wars we're engaging in than people saying like you know fuck on television you know like maybe it's a little more damaging that we live in a fucking sounding like war uh, colonel kurtz here the heart of darkness uh apocalypse now um yeah oh well, speaking oh, of yeah speaking i was of war, though, mention, oh, yeah, okay. one one more quick thing is is you know the the whole idea of one person, one vote is kind of the, you know, democracy in the workplace, having a union, right? Is that when the, you, you know, you've got a, uh, 
a, a bargaining committee when you're working with the with the bosses to hammer out a contract, right? And then you bring the contract back to the union, and everyone gets to vote on that equally, right? There's mm-hmm. there's not like an executive board that has a higher say. Unfortunately, with unions, they're even worse at endorsements than working families party. Um, most unions don't let their members vote on who the union's going to endorse. It's usually just the executive board chooses that. And that's why you often have like the, uh, you know, rank and file get really pissed at the heads of the union for picking the most right wing Democrat instead of the most left wing Democrat, which is usually who the rank and file is going to support. So I was reading how there's actually only just a, like a handful of unions that are just now starting to experiment with letting their members actually vote for who the, who's getting the endorsement. Yeah, it's like, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, because they got so they got such hammered, they got hammered so hard by their rank and file over endorsing Hillary that they're like, oh, maybe we should not pick the shittiest right wing Democrat and listen to what our fucking people who are in our union want us to do. So, yeah, I, I really think that, you know, if, if 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 the whole idea of one, you know, one person, one vote is, is going to hold up with groups like the Working Families Party, uh, you know, the unions really have to do a better job of of leading the way in that process so we can we can actually uh get a primary candidate like bernie sanders without all the rest of this bullshit stopping him yeah 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 well actually one more one more funny uh bernie twitter interaction i wanted to mention is that so he tweeted um you know after this this whole town hall thing uh happened with 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 the veteran uh if you can't afford to take care of your veterans then don't go to war um and uh (laughs) so then this 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 fucking one-eyed pirate dickwad uh dan crenshaw uh tweeted quote tweeted bernie and said watching bernie pander to different groups to get their vote has always disgusted me but now it's personal i didn't go to war so that you would take care of me bernie i went i went because i wanted to serve our country and our country needed it like fuck off dude like fuck so okay yeah you're right so barry shouldn't shouldn't be trying to help veterans groups so like yeah that's okay you know it's just so preposterous like you know for whatever you think of war and like you know we've we've talked plenty about that bernie sanders has constantly been fighting for veterans rights bernie sanders worked with john mccain in like the 90s to to you know shore up va benefits when, when they were constantly under attack you know, from the right and the left, like the, from Democrats and Republicans, like just who always would try to find funding and cutting federal yeah. programs wherever they, you know, wherever they were, they were. So, um, I, so I actually had to go with Dan Crenshaw on this one because I often also say things like fuck the troops. And <laughs> I don't know how you could be a veteran and say that and be like, fuck you. We didn't go fight and die to, to just to come back here and have things all cushy and have our you know, healthcare <laughs> needs taken care of. That's not the America I fought for. I fought for America where people come back and they're shit poor and are suicidal with PTSD. Missing an eye and fucking... Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's just so fucking backwards. And fuck that guy. So Anyone who made fun of, you know, fucking his eye socket and then felt bad and apologized for it, fuck that. I hope he loses his other fucking eye. He's an asshole. I know. Yeah, he's an absolute fucking prick. Um, but I did I did respond to Bernie that tweet, and I said fixed it, burn, and I just whited out everything before don't go to war. So that's all it says. But <laughs> yeah, um, but but I but I, I like the sentiment from Bernie. I, I get I appreciate the sentiment, even though you know whatever. But um, yeah. So you know, I I want to close it out with something fun because 
a story emerged uh, from, I guess it was from 2017 that this story was initially told. Um, just, you know, Joe Biden, we, we like to say Joe Biden's brain is leaking out of his skull, and it certainly is, but he's always been a weird guy, and it's it's not just now that he's he's starting to lose his mind. It seems like it's been a multi-year process, so... Uh, with that, let's let's let Joe uh, tell you tell you this story. Uh, I, I like to call it the Ballad of Corn Pop. So let's let Joe tell you the, uh, the this story, and then we'll talk about it. So wait, wait, real quick. Oh, yeah, when yeah, he was telling the story, was he sitting ten feet up on that lifeguard chair at the time? <laughs> he, with his no, hands the, he, he was at he... The, he was at this pool. That picture was taken after uh, after yeah. the story, I believe, or before. I don't know. It would have been better if he was up on that chair telling the story because he was just. <laughs> Like with his, like everyone gathered around, he's sitting up there with his arms flailing in the air, and he's just like, "Pick me up and carry me around like I'm Aladdin." Just like what? Yeah. Just <laughs> terrible visuals. I, that was that I was like his Joe, face when he. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden just doesn't realize there's cameras photographing what he's doing, and and who he's talking. Like the the thing where he grabbed the woman's hands and wouldn't let go. That was just that made that made me so uncomfortable cringe. watching that. I couldn't imagine being that woman, and he's just like gripping both of her wrists like what, what the what are you doing that for what the fuck is wrong with you joe that fo- that photo I, I assume was taken uh right after one of his aides told him that corn pop is actually dead and that they can't have one final showdown he was like no corn pop. <laughs> <laughs> but here let's play the audio from that we'll talk about it i learned a lot and i learned that uh it makes a difference this was the diving board area and i was one of the guards and there were a lot of, there was a three meter board. And if you fell off sideways, you landed on the damp, uh, the darn cement over there. <laughs> and Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did, yeah, he, and back in those days, to show how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you. Off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. Well, he came off, and he said, I'll meet you outside. My car, this was mostly, these were all public housing behind it. My car, there was a gate out here. I parked my car outside the gate. And I, he said, I'll be waiting for you. He was waiting for three guys in straight razors. Not a joke. There was a guy named Bill Wright, Mouse, the only white guy, and he did all the pools. He was the mechanic. And I said, what am I going to do? He said, come down here in the basement where mechanics, where, where, where all the pool f- f- filter is. You know, the chain, there used to be a chain that went across the deep end. And he cut off a six-foot length of chain. He folded up. He said, you walk out with that chain. And you walk to the car and say, you may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, if you don't, don't come back. And he was right. So I walked out with the chain. And I walked up to my car, and they had, they, in those days, you used to remember the straight race, you'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a rain barrel, get them rusty. And I looked at them, but I was smart then. I said, first of all, I said, when I tell you to get off the board, you get off the board, and I'll kick you out again, but I shouldn't have called you, Esther Williams. I apologize for that. I apologize, but I didn't know that apology was going to work. He said, you apologize to me? I said, I apologize for that, not for throwing you out, but I apologize for what I said. He said, okay, close the straight razor, and my heart began to beat again. (laughs) 
So I think we need to put grandpa in a home. Is it, is it worse that that might just be completely made up story or is it worse that it's probably true? And that's exactly (laughs) like the, the the thing that he thinks that a bunch of little kids would want to hear. Like I which which is worse. So bizarre. Like uh, I don't know what's just, worse, but I'm pretty sure it's it's mostly true because there's too, way too many psychotic details of that story for it not to be true. Uh, but he just, reminds me of the of the dad from the leftovers where he's talking about all these fucking acid trips and <laughs> wandering around the, the outback of Australia and you have no idea if it's fucking totally true or showing up in the afterlife on, on a static ET. Yeah, either one wouldn't surprise me and are equally plausible. Um, Yeah, so uh, so yeah, maybe maybe the his worst gaffe or his his least least worst gaffe so far, but still, just the optics, like what? Just like what the fuck are you talking about, dude? It's still loaded with casual racism too. Of course, of course. Just the, the way he'll say it, like, it, it was some bad boys. Like, just what the fuck are you doing? Like, you, you put on, you don't have to put on a fake urban accent to, yeah, I just, I just so disgust with him. He's, and he's also got this weird fucking macho fake tough guy thing where he does this all the time where he's like always talking about fights he's had or like challenging Trump to a, remember he challenged Trump to like a fight behind the bleacher? Like, what are you doing? You're a fucking geriatric, like senile old man. Like, relax, dude. Like, nobody's gonna fight you. <laughs> he's got he's got like Clint Eastwood syndrome. He's about ten years behind yeah. where Clint Eastwood's weird, detached dementia is going. I think right now. Uh, oh God. So I have no idea. Okay. So I was going through all the all these uh, six nine testimony tweets, and honestly, I can't tell which ones are real and which ones are parody at this point. Um, but this one I got. Okay, here we go. Uh, breaking rapper six uh, nine testifies that Bill Nye, the science guy, aka Slim Killa, is confer- is a confirmed <laughs> member of the Nine Trey Bloods. <laughs> oh, I love I love when somebody makes like a new internet meme in like real time, and just you can't tell what's real and whatnot. To um, see the genesis of it in real time, yeah, yeah. And there's, and it, Breaking this guy looks like six such nine. a punk ass bitch. By the way, oh, have you I seen know. a picture of him? Oh yeah, like, I know what he looks like. He's got a ton of facial tattoos and his fucking hair is all whatever. I don't care. Um, uh, rapper six nine probably testifies that Stephen Hawking was part of the uh, the nine trade blood, stating he may he may have been crippled all his life, but he was a blood at heart. <laughs> oh my god. Now they're this, now they're oh saying that he didn't. Six uh, nine transcript shows he actually never named Cardi B as a member of Train Nine. That might have, so this whole thing may have been like misreported because somebody just put it out there that he was just naming all kinds of absurd shit and like somebody actually well, reported it for real on accident. Well, there's a those are billboard tweet that says uh, Atlantic Records has denied Six Nine's claims that Cardi B was a member of the Nine Trey Trey Gangsta Bloods. So so Atlantic Records had to come out and deny his claims that Cardi B was a member of the Bloods. Like, yeah, what she, the fuck is going on in this story? What if she what if she actually is and she's like the head of a huge crime like East like East West Coast? That'd make crime her so much more network. awesome. Like it, that, even more awesome than she <laughs> like all already the, is. All the people's lives that have been destroyed. And it's like, oh wait, a Cardi B runs that shit? That's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Go to her kick-ass. meetings. Like, come on. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd go to a meeting that she led. I fucking love the way she like listen, <laughs> like communicates. You want to get out there, and make sure everybody votes for motherfucking Bernie Sanders, or you're gonna get knifed. Yeah, 
<laughs> that's my best Cardi B impression right there. Um, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. so fucking corn pop. And by the way, and so like ever initially, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, this is a bullshit story." And like Simone Sanders, like you know the 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 good fucking you know good German that she is, went out and found like an obituary from from a guy whose name from Delaware whose nickname was Corn Pop, and it's like. Yeah, that's not the most ridiculous part of this story. Like the, the story itself is why everyone's like, "What the fuck, Joe?" Like, no, it's not that. Like, we we didn't believe that somebody would have the nickname of Corn Pop, although that oh, part was also did ridiculous. You, but did like, you see the the interaction on one of of our, our friend and uh, occasional guest host uh, Pat the Burner was was tweeting about this? And somebody was like doubting the uh, I, f- I forget how like what the order of the tweets were now, but um, apparently fucking David Simon weighed in on uh, like the oh, authenticity God. of the name Corn Pop. And somebody tweeted at David, at, at David Simon saying, have you ever seen The Wire? It's this really accurate <laughs> TV show about Baltimore crime that was created and, and written by this guy that used to be a, a crime reporter in Baltimore. And he just replied, have I seen The Wire? <laughs> and like, the person, I don't think they, I don't know if they were kidding or not. I think they I, I'm pretty kidding. sure they were. Well, what, what, what followed from that though, was people being like, Hey, David Simon, you should really watch the show called the wire. Like it's a re- like, it was like a thing where people would just, Oh, everyone after that thought it was hilarious. <laughs> they got it. But I think he, the first person that said it d- didn't realize it was just, you know, it's possible. Yeah. Beautiful, um, beautiful Twitter irony. If, it, if that was really somebody <laughs> that didn't know that they were, didn't know who David Simon was, let alone that of, of all the people they could have been talking to, they were talking to the creator of the wire. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's, you know, it's fitting because the ultimate irony is that David Simon wrote one of the greatest, you know, television shows of all time, a really like visceral and intense, you know, crime uh, drama set in Baltimore. And he's like a total neoliberal hack who will defend any kind of shitty, Democrat and talk shit about Bernie all the time. Like he's a fucking lunatic. But like oh, yeah, when you watch he, he his talks show, shit you about don't the get Baltimore that. riots. I was like, dude, you understand the material conditions. You understand that, yeah, exactly. And you're getting pissed that they torched a fucking uh, a fucking Walgreens. Really? <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it, it's funny because I I have put off watching The Wire for uh, 19 years now, and I, right now I'm in the middle of watching it. Like I'm on season four mm-hmm. right now, and the way that he gets the show to transition into, um, you know, showing the conditions in public schools, right? Like how, how he gets the show to get to that point is amazing. You know, the, the, the fact that you got the one guy who ends up being the security head of security at the school, because he tries to do the, the good thing of having drugs be legal in a couple of select places. And he gets taken down for that. And then the other, this other guy that uh, accidentally shoots a fellow officer, and they're both working at the same school and you're like, Oh, these are like, this is, this is, it felt like a really natural transition to me. Yeah. Honestly. And, and you Agreed. can see how the, the system for prisons and the system for schools is very connected where, you know, that you get like a, a tiered education system and the worst kids get singled out and targeted with worse stuff. And they don't consider what it's like on the streets for a lot of these kids. Uh, and it just becomes a you know, you know school to prison pipeline. Um, so, yeah, good show. But that guy can be such a fucking up his head up his own ass neoliberal moron is is like amazing to me. But David they, Simon. But they, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, a, he's, a rich, rich, 
producer, rich, rich producer. Yeah. You know, he made a great show based on the source material when he was a probably not that well paid reporter. Yeah, he was a streets. he was a newspaper. He actually worked at the Baltimore Sun, which is why the fourth season or fifth season focuses so much on that newspaper. But that's probably he really did understand material conditions when he was a fucking like beat reporter. But now he's you know, one of the most successful like producers in Hollywood. So it's like, you know, yeah, this is always what's, what's bothered me too. When people like that look at a riot or an uprising and they go, why would they destroy their own community? And it's like, what, what got burned up in Ferguson, the fucking corporate gas station, what got burned up in Baltimore. It was a fucking CVS pharmacy. Like those are not, things that people look at and go, yep, that, uh, that, uh, BP gas station, that's my community right there. Like nobody thinks like that. I don't know why yeah. I picked a Southern redneck accent for that. But. Yeah, no, their <laughs> CVS is really contributing to the, that fucking community by paying oh. people seven twenty five an hour to fucking work. Yeah, at the, I, I, I know, need cheap wine there. and Doritos. That's where I get, they don't even have a bathroom for me to, to go shit in. Not that I ever would get gross bath. If you, there was a public <laughs> oh, bathroom, don't CVS, the CVS, could you imagine? Bathroom. Oh, I okay. I used to work at CVS. It's 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 horrendous. The bathrooms there are horrendous. It's they like, don't have public bathrooms in those places, do they? Uh, yeah, some do. do. So you have to ask. You you legally can't say no. You can't use the bathroom. But they're like the employee right. bathrooms. But then people go in there and are people in public bathrooms are disgusting. So they're like the grossest bathrooms you'll ever imagine. Oh yeah. And there's yeah, no <laughs> you know specified janitor, so it's like it gets clean no. when it gets cleaned. I um I worked in a building one time where like the whole first floor was like retail, right? And there was like a fitness mm-hmm. center and then a bar and then a restaurant. And there was like a one bathroom share between them. And there was oh, a code God. to get in the door, right? So you had to ask for the, the door code, right? Well, so you'd see some homeless guy come in and he'd order one cheap beer to get the door code. Well, it's like, well, now he knows the door code. That's where he's going to go every day to go shoot up. Right. And I like occasionally I'd have to go use that bathroom and every there's, you know, this fucking junkie passed out in there at uh, 10 in the morning. Well, it's four in the afternoon. He's still there. It's like, at what point do you knock and go, are you dead or do you OD? Do you have to call the paramedics? Because, I, I, you know, you're homeless. I know you need to use a bathroom. But like, dude, you, you shoot up in there and then just fall asleep. We don't like I don't know what to do with you. Like, I don't know how to help you <laughs> at this yeah. point. And I need to use your fucking bathroom. <laughs> Come on. So. <laughs> Need that to was, take a shit. I don't really want to do it with you. Maybe staring at me through your through your haze, like no. Or at least if you got um, some good junk, like fucking puff puff give, man. Right. Oh, I don't think man. that's how it works with heroin, but no, I don't. I'm I'm not a not. We're not heroin heroin experts on this on this uh, podcast. Uh, well, apparently, apparently, vaping has now become a, a lethal drug habit now. Where. Uh, if you if you buy one of these, Andrew Cuomo uh, terrified of vapes. Yeah, black, black market vape pens. It might have some uh, vitamin E that can give you instant lung cancer or something. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. I I mean I what? I think vaping is kind of ridiculous, but whatever. I don't I don't give a shit. But yeah, uh, New York already fucking banned it because that's that's all. New York is the fucking nanny state. They ban large sodas. They ban fucking vape. Like if people want to do shit that's unhealthy for them, that's like they're right as Americans. Like everything so, we do is unhealthy for us. It's like, like the the cartridges apparently. So are it's not even like shit. actual vape. Know. Like all the people that that. It's, as far as I know, and people correct us if we're wrong in the in on Twitter, but no, nah, don't as correct far as us. I, I don't care enough yeah. to know one way or the other. But go. But for no, it. as as far as I know, all the people that died were it was from using 
like black market weed vape cartridges, which was using this oil. Now, no legally produced tobacco or weed in weed legal states uses this oil that was killing people. So like they're acting like it, it, it's 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 a non-existent problem. It's like, yeah, don't take like shit that you don't know the source of and and put it in your body necessarily so unless you trust the source. Basically, the the federal ban on marijuana is what's causing these black market things to be made. Yeah, essentially. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about vape cartridges, but do you just have this plastic or glass, whatever their heads made out of? You use it once and throw it away. Well, they, they have disposable ones, but they also have ones where like people just have their vape pen and it's got a thread on it. Like it's got like a, a specific thread and you just screw it on and your pen is like the heating element and it heats right. up the oil in this cartridge. And then you, but then you throw away the cartridge afterwards, Then you could replace oh. the cartridges. Like, so yeah, it's not it's recyclable. Like a, it's just like a single use fucking dumb thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's I mean, also I would, like I would horrible banning it for that, but <laughs> <laughs> There's also, I think, they make vapable oil that you can put into reusable cartridges. Like, there's all, mm. you know, there's a whole spectrum of products. But you're burning it, so eventually it gets, it gets all, like, caked up with gunk on it, and then you throw it away, so. I don't know that it, because I don't think it, I think it draws it into the heating element and then vaporizes it out. So I don't actually know that it gets gunked in outside of just, weren't like, cigarettes oil. enough. Weren't just fucking cigarettes and cigars and, well, and so theoretically and it's it's healthier because it burns out burns off a lot of carcinogens like which is why they would always say to vaporize your your pot but that's different than vaping like vaporizers are fucking expensive they're like 150 dollars for like a good mm-hmm. vape vaporizing like pen or system where you just like it burns off all the carcinogens and you just inhale the pure vapors of the THC and CBD. But this vaping is not really the same thing. It's just really another right. way to sell nicotine to kids, kind sure. of. It's like I don't think people should do. Like I don't. I'm. I'm not gonna say like it should be illegal. Like I. I personally don't do it because it's like not the healthiest thing in the world to do. But like fucking you have. You're at trying it to say that a uh, Smash Mouth isn't your favorite band. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Yeah. But if you like Smash Mouth, you know, fucking have at it. Like, yeah. and you'll love vaping. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> probably a lot of crossover there. But yeah, no, it's fucking dumb to to ban it. I, and that's the typical shit. That, and that's the shit that makes me crazy because New York is always on shit like that and like the the nanny state type stuff. And that's what people use as a caricature of the left. When really that's just nanny state billionaire liberals like like um fucking michael bloomberg uh, or even de blasio it's like or cuomo it's like that they they do this shit because they think it plays well with the liberal base in new york meanwhile real people look at that you're a fucking dickhead i i think that most you know we just we create so much fucking waste in this country Uh, anything that's a single use use it one time and then you throw it into a fucking oh, yeah. landfill. Well, that's a whole separate issue. That's a fucking huge issue. Yeah, yeah but there's a lot of people on the left that are like, oh, that's not the real problem. Well, fucking A. When you've it got is a problem, certainly. Garbage that, you know, or this just like soup of plastic floating out in the ocean, That that's a fucking problem. That is a problem. You yeah. know, so, no, oh, it's, sure. it's not going to change anything if we ban plastic straws. Well, yeah, it's going to change a lot of things. It's going to be a lot less fucking trash in the ocean. So, uh, you know, we got to start somewhere. Um, there was a big, uh, uh, I think it was when um, Oregon was trying to ban plastic bags, uh, or at least uh, Portland was, and um, or just like single use shopping bags, right? Like, take your take mm-hmm. your fucking get a canvas shopping bag, bring that, you reuse it. 
the plastic industry was trying to say, oh, but a canvas shopping bag can get dirty and have bacteria on it. And it's like, you ever heard of this invention called a washing machine? <laughs> you fucking idiots. So they, they lost that one. Cloth, I have all cloth bags from Trader Joe's that I could yeah. easily throw in my washing machine. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have all cloth clothes that I wear multiple times. I don't go to the store. You, you don't have single-use plastic, plastic clothing that you throw I, I spilled get... something on my shirt. I got to throw this thing away, apparently, because there's no way to get this stain out. I mean, that's, that's fucking mayonnaise. That's some billionaire <laughs> asshole that does that, that, like, never rewears their clothes or, like, throws away socks after one. Oh, I'm like, fuck I'm you. sure a lot of them. I mean, if you're a billionaire, you're already – your OCD is already hoarding – other people's money. That's, yeah, right? this is true. And I, I guarantee you've got a host of other OCDs. Howard Hughes, um, I just rewatched the the Scorsese Aviator. Uh I gotta watch that. Leo DiCaprio, which is it's mm-hmm. such a great movie, even though it's you don't really walk away from it going, oh, Howard Hughes is a great guy, because he kind of wasn't. <laughs> um he was he was a recluse, he was a fairly abusive, he was definitely you know, there's, there's these really funny scenes where people coming to him with like these ideas for him to make a ton of money and like save a whole industry and like uh, support the war effort all at the same time. And he's distracted by like a fuzzy on someone's shirt and he's just like trying to get it. He's like, I can't just, I can't focus with this, this little fuzzy on your collar. I have to, you know, or like somebody shook his hand and they had like a little, like some oil on his hand. So he had to wipe his hand with a rag and then throw it away. He couldn't just, be, <laughs> he was like, it's just all these neurotic things. That are a great movie. One of the things I like in the film is that um, it, it covers about 40 years of history. And Scorsese uh, tried, I don't know if they just did it in, in post or if they, probably because he's, he's a purist, he, he got old film stock or, or had. Uh, older versions of films not created because then like the early ones, there's this weird shift between the colors where like the red and the blue don't match up in the frame. So it almost looks like it's 3d without 3d glasses. And that's just like how like a lot of really early, 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 early turn of the century color film looked. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like the, uh, the, the stereoscopic uh, photos they took of San Francisco after the huge earthquake and, and fires there. Uh, I think some I know of the, what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some of the first color photography, but it's like they didn't, it looks like it's all just like a, like duochrome or monochrome or trichrome color scheme where it's, it's like they, they didn't have a fine enough grain to really have multiple colors. It kind of looks like that. But anyway, off on a tangent, good movie. <laughs> yeah. His, and his new movie I'm really psyched for coming out in a couple months on Netflix, The Irishman. Oh, is that going straight to Netflix? It, it's getting a limited theatrical release for like three weeks right. so that they it can get, be just an, Oscar an Oscar contender, right. and, but and then it'll, it goes right to Netflix. But yeah, it's insane. Like it's got an insane cast. De Niro, Pacino, I think DiCaprio, like uh, basically everyone he's ever worked with is in it. And it's right. three and a half hours long. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fucking yeah, insane it, it'll, movie. It'll be the kind of movie that guys talk about forever. And I'm sure we'll probably review it eventually. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, I The, the Departed. I wouldn't think that'd be a movie I'd like. I'd be like, that's a bunch of fucking, you know, East Coast, Boston, macho guys. Like, how can that be compelling for me? Uh, an art, you know, highbrow, artsy film critic. And it's like, no, it's still, it's still compelling. It doesn't matter oh, what it's, it's about. The, yeah. One of the greatest crime dramas and like, you know, who, like who's, who's fucking betraying who and who's like the, the, the rat. And like, it's, it's just such a well put together fucking movie that it just, it, it, it hits on all levels and it's late career too. It's not like, you know, 
He's not one of these guys who made a bunch of great movies and then just turned out shit for the next, you know, 20 years to as Spielberg. He actually, um, you know, keeps fucking making great movies. Fucking Wolf of Wall Street. He made three years, three, four years ago. And it's like one of my favorite movies he's ever made. It's like he's silent. Silence. You wouldn't even know it was a Scorsese film, except that it's three and a half hours long. I mean, he he didn't just make another Scorsese film. He he invented a new genre of Scorsese film with, a, you know, like it's not, I couldn't even call it a period film. It's about the 1630s, the 1630s in feudal Japan. You know, it's a so story like nobody wanna, fucking knew outside of people uh, who read that book or yeah, like, you know, uh, you know, and for, for all of its slow pacing, you never feel like you're sitting there going, how long is this thing? Like all it's a very quiet, very slow moving film, but there's this tension throughout the entire thing. Uh, it, it's a little bit closest thing you could really compare it to would be like last temptation of Christ. And it is about faith and testing of one's faith and everything. And, um, but also just like a period of history, you know, in a time and a place that I knew nothing about at all, uh, mm. in that era. So, no, uh, but it's also about the, like, the, like the very beginning of sort of different religions clashing, uh, you know, on the completely other side of the world where you've got these, um, uh, Jesuit priests going all the way from Spain to Japan at like, you know, one of the first eras where you, that's a thing you could just do <laughs> and, and safely, and safely expect to make it there. Uh, Let us bring you our, our religion. Like, you know, not that you asked right. for it, but we're going to bring you. Right. Um, we, we, which, which they didn't like, they didn't like a bunch yeah. of Westerners coming and saying, Oh, here, let's do the Jesus thing. They were a uh, very different kind of Buddhism than, than is commonly thought of today. But uh, yeah, there, pardon me. There's one scene in particular where they're they're basically saying, "Oh well, if you love your Christ so much, we'll definitely crucify you. <laughs> That's the way you want to go out. If you don't get the fuck out of our country." And they they crucify these guys in in the ocean at low tide, and then as the tide comes oh, in, man. just like higher wave, and higher wave comes up. And they shot all of this and you're thinking like, and these are huge waves coming in like right around this really rocky cove area. And these guys are actually strapped to these crucifixes after wave after wave is hitting them. The scene goes on for maybe 10 minutes and you're like, this has got to be one of the most dangerous scenes I think I've ever seen put to put to camera. And I'm sure they had divers and everything around, but still like anytime you're filming with people in the water strapped to a thing and water's coming up over them, like that's, I don't know how they filmed that. Like as a, yeah. as a film student uh, and a critic of film, like I watched the whole sequence and I'm like, mm, I don't know how they did this, uh, even safely or unsafely. <laughs> but that's like the, 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 to me, like the high watermark for great filmmakers is if you can watch a three and a half hour movie and never be like, this is too long and never be like, oh shit, that was three and a half. Like, or like when at the end you're like, oh wow, I can't believe it's over already. Like, you know, same with Quentin, like once upon a time in Hollywood, I think is over three hours or almost three hours. And it's like almost three. Yeah. You get to the end of that movie and you're like, that felt like a fucking hour and a half breeze. And I want to watch another. Yeah. I I checked my watch at the end of, of once upon a time in Hollywood, because I was afraid there was, still like another hour left and we were still going to see the action well i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't yeah, seen yeah, the no film spoilers, this but is not a thing anyway watch it. I, you know what <laughs> I thought there was still more to come uh-huh. and it turned uh-huh. out that like that was already that was like the real ending in that film so uh yeah great yeah yeah 
Well, uh, that was a little mini move left, a movie left episode at the end here. But uh, well, we, we, we kind of um, got through some of the political stuff quicker than I thought we thought we were. So I figured we'd kind of just uh, shoot the shit towards the end here. So it's, it's all downhill from Corn Pop anyway. You, there's no, you can't we can't top we can't top the Corn Pop story. Can't yeah. top the pop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, <clears throat> we're gonna get out of here. But uh, if you want to support the show. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out on the ratings. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left, uh, facebook.com slash move left idiots, uh, tinyurl.com slash move left merch. If you want to pick up any merch from the show, we're on Patreon at patreon.com uh, slash move left if you want to support the show that way. Uh, I am on Twitter at move underscore left. I'm on Twitter at smut collector. Always with an ER, not an OR. Uh, I think we are going to be doing a, a new movie left review pretty soon. I think we, yeah. we talked about doing Interstellar, which came out like five years ago. But it's um, it's one of my favorite. Like, There's a lot of new sci-fi that's not really like science fiction. It's just, hey, here's where NASA should be already, but we're not quite there. Like mm-hmm. kind of movies coming out lately, and I think that's one of the better ones. And it's also sort of an allegory for climate change uh, and our inaction on it, and what we need to do versus what we've been trying to do. Um, and also has it's the less the best, funny version uh, of Wally, basically. Yeah, yes, yeah, funny. <laughs> has a has a great film score too, although it's it's very much a rip off of Phil, Philip Glass. Um, but that's not a bad thing. So if you can rip off Philip Glass, good. Then I mean, to- tonally, you know, like using a very sparse like selection of notes like really if, anthemic like if, have you seen koyana squatsy no no is okay. it so did, the, did, do you think it's like a straight up like yeah, let's, well, let's kind of take a, the similar so who, melody who was it that like, did the score for uh for interstellar what's that guy's uh, name Hans zimmer i believe yeah so Hans zimmer isn't he's kind of like the thomas kincaid of composers like he doesn't compose anything <laughs> he's got a whole staff of people to do it for him and he puts his name on it but the the temp music they used for uh, doing dailies with Philip Glass's um, oh, organ okay. music from Quina Squatsy. And it's very just, you know, there, there's that, uh, the, the painter, Chuck Close, who's a paraplegic, uh, has a knock-knock joke about Chuck Close, or uh, about, has a knock-knock, Chuck Close has a knock-knock joke about Philip Glass. And it's uh, knock-knock, who's there, 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 Philip Glass. <laughs> because Philip Glass is known for joke. just doing... Right, like he's known for doing notes, like, over like over you know, just he'll do an arpeggio, but he'll repeat the exact same arpeggio for five minutes without changing it. Right, uh-huh. um, and and so the 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 score for Koyana Squatsi uh, is very it's it's like lots and lots of pipe organ arpeggios. It sounds very very similar to the score for Interstellar. It's still great. I still love the movie, um, so I think we'll have a good time. If you like film review podcasts, deep dive analysis, you're gonna love Movie Left. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we will see you next week.
There's insanity in the control room tonight.